Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. is Thursday, July 21st, 1997. No, wait, sorry. 20, no, 2022. But this is a really, really heady and heavy and impactful and awesome day in fish history today. Yeah. There's no fish show tonight, but we're going to talk about a pretty awesome fish show last night. But 25 years ago, fish did something pretty cool. What did they do? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not good at history. They played a concert. I mean, they I played an amazing oh. show right in Jonathan's area. Neck of the Woods. His, yeah, it's Neck of the Woods. An unbelievable show that was one of my favorite concert experiences I've ever been to. 
They played a show on July 21st, 1997 at Virginia, in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, they opened their summer 1997 tour on that day with Ghost, to which if mm. you had not heard a fish show in seven months, you were like, what the hell happened? Who is this? I don't know. what's. Why are they playing percussive chords? And why is everything through a wah pedal? I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. And you weren't supposed to understand. And that was the beauty of it. it you were was, very happy, was, though. You were, you were very throwing happy. the fuck down. Yeah, you, it was the debut of Cow Funk in America. It really was, and it was that show was the first non three point dinner in a movie uh, mm-hmm. show that they played back in May of twenty twenty. And I still recall like sitting on my couch, just like gripping the edges of my couch, being so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I was it did not so surprised st- me at all. <laughs> I was so stoked the entire time. <laughs> the ghost, the theme from mm. the bottom, the. Leroy Moore sits in uh, Incredible Wolfman's Incredible Gin. And then five years ago, which is very relevant for our guest here today, five years ago, the Baker's Dozen kicked off, which if you take one swipe through Fish Twitter right now, you know that we're the first people to identify that. So mm-hmm. that's why you come here. Breaking, breaking news. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, but alas. Nobody figured that out. Nobody figured no. that out. Alas, we are not here to talk about either of those events. Those will happen. We'll, we'll cover those in other cases. If you haven't heard Undermine Season 3, we talk in depth about The Baker's Dozen. I'd encourage you all to check that out. Just a little bit, five episodes dedicated to it, a little bit of time spent on that. And we've talked about 721.97 in other places. And you can hear Megan talk about 721.97 on the Attendance Bias podcast. Yep, check we it out. We are here, though. Check it out. We are here, though, to talk about night two. Night two of the Man Music, the TD Pavilion at the Man. I'm just seeing on Fish.net. No, They've no, we updated this. We, we can't what? call it that. I'm calling Why it just the Man. Why do that? So annoying. Well, yeah, because TD Bank probably gave them a bunch of money, which allows the pavilion, they didn't the, give the venue me to any continue. Money, so I'm not they calling did it not. that. No. We I should like probably that, Jonathan. Wait. Yeah. If you're not going to give me money, I'm not coming to your show. How about that? Huh? I'll pay for the no, ticket, no. but you got to give me some money. Um, we're going to talk about night two at the man from last night. We have an incredible, incredible guest coming up here shortly. Felicia D'Ambrosio is coming on the show. We're going to talk with her about first and foremost, initial memories of the Baker's does. And we talked with her mm. for undermine season three, but being the anniversary, we have to get her thoughts on what she was doing five years ago. Right now, the anticipation, the excitement, the donuts, I mean, there's so, so much to dive into there. But we also want to talk about last night's show, which is a pretty interesting show. It was a really, really interesting night to a lot of, lot of mini jams, a lot of jams that moved into other jams. A song that had been long forgotten as a jam vehicle that it seems to be maybe is back as a potential jam vehicle. And I'm kind of freaking out about it. We'll talk about that. Jonathan's giving me a look. So we're going to move on to the ads because we're going to talk on all about all this. <laughs> we need to tell you really quickly before, before we launch into the, the content of today's show, our first sponsor is hash house here at Osiris. We are powered by a few things, music, of course, but also coffee. We're always drinking Passion House, and now we have our very own blend, Ocean of Osiris. Um, I left my bag downstairs because that's where I make my coffee. Uh, But please visit passionhousecoffee.com to get some of this and their other coffee today. Use code OSIRIS for free shipping on every order. And we have a contest that we are running right now all summer long. 
for each fish show, we're giving away bags of Ocean of Osiris coffee every time Fish plays an ocean song. And I use the air quotes, which is really good for radio because uh, <laughs> it's open to your interpretation. So every time you hear an ocean song, tag at Osiris Pod and at Passion House Coffee on Twitter. Use the hashtag Ocean of Osiris, and we will select two winners at random each night if they play an ocean song. Do we have winners today? We do. We got two winners. Are you ready? Ooh. Two winners. Two yes. winners. Can I get a little drum roll? No. No, I mean, that sounds weird. I don't have any drums. <sighs> we got two winners right here. Oh, yeah. We have uh, the Beanstalk Library at Beanstalk Lib and Jordan Sheldon at Jordan oh, Sheldon yay. 3. Congratulations, guys. Uh, enjoy the coffee, and uh, which you should because it's amazing. I love it. Um, if you tr- go to passionhousecoffee.com, use uh, code OSIRIS. For free shipping, I also recommend the Lakeshore Drive Blend. Uh, that's one that I, mm. I've been getting a few times. So uh, check that out. They have great stuff. Really, really great stuff. I absolutely love Passion House and working with them. It's a total, total pleasure. Um, we also want to tell you about a couple upcoming live events. We wanted to encourage everyone who is coming to the Atlantic City shows to join us. On Saturday and Sunday from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Anchor Rock Club. We've got two very unique, cool shows coming up for you. Saturday, John Barber of the Disco Biscuits will be playing an acoustic set. Sunday, Tom Marshall, RJB, I think Megan will be there. And HF Pod Friends will be there to do a breakdown of Fish's run in Atlantic City. As well as host an auction through Whatnot, the Internet's fastest growing collectible marketplace that will benefit the Waterwheel Foundation. We auction off fish vinyl, posters, shirts, and other hard-to-find memorabilia. So join us for both of these events. We want to thank our sponsors once again at Tonewood Brewing. These are free events, I want to be very clear, but you do need to reserve a spot. So get your tickets at osirispod.com slash osirislive. And while you're on that page, say to yourself, hey, I think I'm going to Alpine, and I think I'm going to Dick's too, and I think I want to add another concert on both of those trips because why not live music is awesome remember that like 18 month period where we didn't have any live music remember that mm. i remember that you were like i'm just gonna watch this archived concert from 1977 because like this is the closest thing i can get to the real thing well now we have live music back and osiris live is coming to milwaukee wisconsin at the cooperage on thursday august 11th for an evening of music and conversation featuring one of my favorite singer songwriters, guitarists, musicians, people on the planet, Riley Walker, uh, RJ and I will be interviewing Riley and then he'll play a set of music at the Cooperage. It's a killer, killer venue, um, in a really cool part of Milwaukee. Get your tickets at osirispod.com slash Osiris live. And again, while you're there, be like, Hey, there's one more event I should be looking at. Coming out to Dick's, come out one day early. The Larimer Lounge, we are hosting a live show with the band Taper's Choice on Wednesday, Mm. August 31st. Jonathan and I are going to be teaming up to interview Taper's Choice. They will then play a set of music. If you've heard any of their music, you know it's heavy and awesome and droney and funky and so many different types of music all boiled into one. And their jams are incredible. The dudes are awesome. 
I'm really, really stoked for this. Get your tickets at osirispod.com slash osirislive and come out and see these two dudes at the top of the screen. If you're listening to this, you can't see us, but you know, we will be there. I don't know what hat I'm going to wear. I'm still trying to figure that out, but we will be there <laughs> with questions for the band. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, these um, are going to be awesome events. I've already got my cool. outfits for Atlantic City, so just saying. You've got them already. You've got them <laughs> yeah. already. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm very, very stoked. So let's let's do this. Let's go ahead and let's bring on Felicia, and uh, we're going to dive into night two at the man. Felicia, welcome to HF Pod. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Hi, Felicia. Hi. So we are five days into summer 2022. Tell me kind of just like generally speaking, what are your impressions of this tour so far as as you were going into this run at the man? Well, um, I feel like ever since we came back from the COVID pause, uh, the shows have been amazing. I mean, I feel like we've been like on this steady uphill climb since we all came back together. And that's been my experience of being at the shows and of what I've seen on the webcast as well. I went to Deer Creek and to Man and it was just straight hose. My friends, like it's hose and it happens really fast. We're getting we're getting somewhere in the jams really quickly. We've had some jams that are short, but are like really interesting and go places really fast. And I love that about, you know, kind of late stage fish is like, we're not noodling and trying to like find the way as much, um, is very like focused. And I love that. Um, I've been having a great time and I think the energy is incredible. The crowds have been amazing. People are really kind to each other. It's been a really fun tour for me so far. It's interesting the the point about like how quickly they're getting to these jams. I'd be curious everyone's thoughts. Like, I feel like it works so well in both short jams where it feels like it's a lot longer than the jam. Like the jam comes up mm. and you're like, oh my god, that was only eleven minutes, but it feels like there's so much music packed in there. But even like a Down with Disease or a Sand from Deer Creek, both of which crossed thirty minutes, neither of those sounded meandering. It just sounded like they were taking the same approach. And just saying there's another idea that evolved out of this. So we're just going to follow that. And another idea that evolves out of this. Like there's never any moment of searching in these jams that really blows me away. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, um, there's good examples of that from last night as well uh, for the shorter ones. And um, I think in particular, uh, there was a series of texts coming from you guys last night. (laughs) I can't point in the right direction on this thing, but you know who I'm talking about, uh, where you were like, oh my God, that jam, how long was that jam? 14 minutes. Yeah. I lost track of time. I I needed Brian to help me. Yeah. (laughs) I I was just kind of seeing the texts. I was doing something else and look at the text. I was like, wow, how long was that jam? And like, look back and I was like, that's all. The way they're yeah, talking it was that about it. They thought jam. we got another down with disease. So. Yeah, I yeah, felt like I got simple. lost in it. I totally lost track of time, and I couldn't tell if it was like eight minutes or 25. So I have Brian as my timekeeper, which is really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's very fitting that you're on the show for this discussion, Felicia, because I kind of track this 
beginning of this era where they could expand a song at any point in time to the Baker's Dozen. It feels like they set this challenge of themselves to say, we're not going to repeat a song over these 13 shows. And within that regard, we have to stretch some songs out that wouldn't necessarily be stretched out. And you saw it almost immediately on the first night that was five years ago. Uh, you saw it the first weekend with like a MoMA dance that just like goes out there and it's ice that goes out there. And it really kind of allowed them this opportunity to be where they are now five years later where we they play Runaway Gym. And it's only 11 minutes, but there's a ton of expansion, a ton of ideas happening within there, like second or third song of the show. You had a very integral part in The Baker's Dozen. And as we're on the five-year anniversary of that, I just want to ask you, in terms of what you were doing, what, what, I guess I'll just ask straight up, what were you doing five years ago right now? And how were you feeling going into The Baker's Dozen? Okay, so it's one fourteen right now when we're recording this. Um, I was, I think, on my way to the garden. I don't remember what time the meeting was that we had our sort of like pre-show meeting to like finish the logistics was, but um, I was staying in financial with my friend Dana and in Battery Park City, and I I got on the train, and like literally five seconds before I like got on the train I you know because you have there's like wi-fi now or whatever in the train stations in New York City so you can like check your phone while you're like on a train and I'm like about to get on the train and I looked at my Twitter and Fish had posted the flavor for the day and announced that the you know that there would be actual donuts at the dozen and how you would get them and they tagged federal donuts and they used the photo that our Lauren had taken and I was just standing on the train, like looking at it with my heart, like started pounding. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's real. Like, this is <laughs> like That's awesome. Yeah. And I like got on the train and I came up, you know, out of the train station, like cross seventh Avenue. And then I'm like going through the employee entrance of Madison square garden. Um, so yeah, it was like an extremely exciting day for me personally. I know our amazing chef, Matt fine and um, crew at federal donuts had literally worked all night overnight to like make all these <sighs> Uh, donuts and to get them to the garden on time and confirming that they were there and everything was just like it it really became really real in that moment even though we'd all been working on it for a little while so the fact that it was a secret up until that moment was also like that's impressive really on me yeah but i like holding this um information obviously is like privileged information um when it finally got out, everyone was like, I can't believe you kept it a secret. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and they yeah, I mean, pulled it off. It must have been so nerve wracking to pull off handing out all those donuts the first time, you know, and getting them there. And like just the logistics of all of that must have been so intense. Yeah, the Lincoln Tunnel definitely gave me a few nightmares like before <laughs> being on the planning stage, having driven back and forth from Philly to New York a million times. But uh, we just got everything there really early and our crew was like, no, these donuts are going to like be there by noon every day because if something goes wow. wrong later in the day and I was like, my worst nightmare is like, oh, we're stuck in the Lincoln Tunnel and it's like, you know, 7.30 p.m. or something. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It actually necessitated the donuts having their own security guard because there was nowhere to like put them away because we couldn't use any of the concourse because that's all like licensed, you know, from like their vendors and like they didn't agree to have like us on their, you know, real estate, which is totally legit. So literally we're like stairwell dwellers, like living in the stairwell with our donuts. And so somebody needed to like keep an eye on them so they didn't get pilfered. So they had their own security guard who was ex- um, New York City police officer 
And I was like, you better take this seriously. This is important. <laughs> <laughs> I love this is a big deal. Undermine. When I heard that on Undermine, I was like, this is so cool. This is the stuff you would never, like, you would never know about. It's so awesome. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I still think back, I was, I was at the mall locally where, where I was living. I don't even know why I was there, but I remember getting a text from a friend uh, around this time, on uh, July, July 21st, 2017. And he was like, you've got to check fish Instagram right now. Mm-hmm. They've like taken this to another level. And at that point, we're just thinking like 13 nights at Madison square garden. This is the coolest thing. And I pull it up and I just see like coconut night. I was like, what in the hell does this mean? And he starts sending me like Twitter threads of people already predicting what songs they're going to play tonight. And like fish that lyrics that have coconuts. <laughs> in. That was Jonathan. all you. That's all I was doing that day. Cause I wasn't in New York, unfortunately, but we, I was, all over the internet, like, what is it going to be? You know, and, uh, oh and my we were God. I... largely wrong, but it, it was wonderful. <laughs> That's but like the best mind. part about yeah, it is being like, they're the going to play this and they don't play that. And they play something you totally don't expect and be like, oh yeah, that is connected to coconuts or to double chocolate or whatever. But right. it's crazy to me to think about like. I think we got better at how, it too through the. People through did. The- yeah. How, how people, how the whole fan base was so shocked about this addition right before the show started and it added another element to um, the entire run where every day before a show, you were like, what are they going to announce? What is, how is this going to impact the set list? And yet you're walking around for months being like, I, I know how this is going to impact the overall Baker's dozen. And I can't tell anyone like that. Keeping that a secret has to be, had to just be like so intense and so stressful. It was, um, my boyfriend at the time who I lived with then also knew he didn't know what any of the flavors were because he was like, I don't want to know anything. Like, don't tell me anything. <laughs> he just knew that it was going to happen because I obviously lived together. So I was like, confide. He was my confidant, but um, he knew and he was like, don't tell me. I want to be surprised. And then uh, everybody, like some people were like, I can only come to like certain shows. So like, is it going to be peanut butter this night? Because I gotta know. And I was like, don't ask me anything. People were like gazing into my eyes, like trying to like penetrate my brain and secrets. I was like, go away. Can't <laughs> Tell me what you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's L- uh, one, one last question about it. Cause uh, I'll, I'll tell everyone that Felicia's featured at the top of episode three of season three of undermine, where we talk at de- in depth okay. about the uh, Baker's dozen. You just like go through the entire planning, all the logistics of it. It's awesome. But I'm curious, like night one happens, you go into the show where, is there anything as you walked out of night one where you're like, we have to improve this for like the run to continue to be as successful. Or did you find like coming out of that first night that things were pretty successful on your end? We had a very good group of volunteers that were coordinated through Waterwheel and Headcount, and they had three our donut captains who were like professional Waterwheel Headcount employees, and they coordinated all the volunteers and kept everything happening. So they really did like a lot of the work, and it was in- I like loved working with Waterwheel and Headcount and Beth. Um, they are incredibly organized, kind, professional people, and so I actually felt like it went really well. Um, our crew didn't report any problems. So I think nice. it was, it was pretty simple. I mean, we just bagged the donuts and hand them out. It wasn't anything elaborate, but some people were trying to like sneak around and get two and stuff. And we we're like, get up that escalator. <laughs> so this one, I want this one to eat. And I'm going to put this one in my like, yes. big hard enough to get one. Right. And yeah. so we, yeah. tried, we tried to make sure that people weren't like being greedy or whatever, but I did see a lot of people sharing at the dozen, like people who did get a donut were definitely sharing them with other people, which was awesome. And I really mm-hmm. appreciated that about fish fans. They're generally very kind and generous. 
Yeah, disappear. I don't know what I was doing wrong. I never got a donut, but you had to come really early. I mean, you had to I be like, maybe I was doors. Like, yeah. Or there were so many people lined up for doors that the garden made all the food half price. Remember? Yeah. Because there yep. were so many oh, people that's in the right. building that would come there early. Yeah. That was that was like yeah, a cool so feature. Many more like, people lined I up forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Shout that, out to Fred. Friend of the pod, Jackson Richards, who said, I went to all 13. I didn't get any donuts with a yeah. sad oh, face. And then, he, and then he clarifies, it was my own fault. It was my own fault, yeah. You had to be there right away. And that was like part of the joy of this. Yeah. Was like Even if you didn't have a donut, like everybody technically had a donut because it impacted that show in such a huge way. Like I went cinnamon mm. night. I did not have a donut, but I got to experience I the – I got to experience the the don't eat the brown donuts uh, uh, voiceover that came on with the light still on. I was like, "What the hell is going on? This is so cool!" So, um, well, so much to remember about the Baker's Dozen. I can't believe it was five years ago. What an incredible time! Let's fast forward in time though to you know 2022. It's so much brighter, happier, more amazing to uh, be here in America in 2022. But at least we have fish. We have another summer of fish tour. This is incredible stuff. Did you guys like that transition? Um, yeah, we want to talk. That was, that was a little bit bumpy. It's been that way. Um, so to kick this off, so this was your second show of the summer tour. You said you went to Deer Creek as well. I want to ask you, we have one segment that we jump into before we get into the music, and that is the vibe of the show. There's a vibe that happens at every one of these fish shows that we cannot tell of what this was like from the couch. Um, this is sponsored by Section 119, which we will just tell you all is the premier apparel brand where many fish fans shop to represent their favorite band in everyday life. Their sophisticated designs and epic quality, Section 119 offers donut-inspired button-down shirts, board shorts, and dry-fit polos and hoodies, among many more awesome clothing types. Use code SUMMER22 for a 20% discount on your next purchase. You'll absolutely love your new gear. So, Felicia, tell me, what was the vibe last night coming into night two of the man? Pretty freaking sky high. Vibes are sky high on Manlot. I think we also accepted that it was going to be really hot and that everybody was like, it's going to be so hot. So you just get there. You're really sweaty. You bring a fan. You have, you know, dip the dip the uh, old bandana in the ice water cooler and just kind of enjoy that summer tour vibe. Yeah. I mean, everybody was really looking like they were having a good time. I saw a lot of great parties happening on the lot pre-show. There was a really nice shakedown, not huge, but like some really good food. I had the most amazing frozen iced coffee with like chaga mm. mushrooms in it. Oh my um, gosh. That sounds you awesome. Enjoy my vegan, check you enjoy my vegan out on wow. the shakedown there. Find, find people with fine, delicious products. Uh, yeah. I mean, the vibe was great. I think people love the man. It's a small venue. The band played a bunch of awesome shows there really early and then, di- you know, didn't play for like ever. So when they came back in 2014, I felt like we felt really lucky that we were getting to see the band at the man and not in Camden, even though we love Camden. But the the man just has a charming. I love Grant. You're making you can, you can love it. I don't um, necessarily yeah. I love, love Camden it. Too. I've seen good shows there, though. Super fun. Good shows. Yeah, good shows. Good Camden. shows. Yeah, the man is way more charming. Um, yeah. It's a small shed. Yeah. The cap is only 14,000. So we love that, like, really small. That might be the smallest venue on the tour. It might be, yeah. And it's definitely mm. the smallest pit. I mean, that is the smallest pit I've ever been in. I would be surprised if there's 250 people wow. in there. It's tiny. Yeah. In there. Oh, yeah, and I think that it's a cedar shed, and it was built in 1976, like, for the Bicentennial in Philadelphia as, like, the summer home for the Philadelphia Orchestra. 
So it sounds amazing in there. That's awesome. The sound in the man is perfect. It's immaculate, um, which I really think contributes to like the good feeling and the good vibes um, at the man in general. And of course, for me, it's a hometown show. So I'm super happy, like, you know, walking around the lot, like smiling my face off because everybody's here, which, you know, it just feels good to have fish like come to your town. It's nice lot. Always- There's trees around. Uh, yeah. I- yeah. Is it a grassy a lot? lot? That's so no. nice. Yeah. I got to check that out. Yeah, it's got a very unique feel. I mean, it it there's a Merriweather type vibe to it in a sense. There's like a yeah. SPAC type vibe more to wolf it in a sense. If you've ever been to Wolf Trap. Wolf Trap, totally. That's yeah. a great call. It's, in a it's park. just like it's a park, mm. it's a beautiful venue. And I've I've only seen one show there. It's the only time I've ever seen fish in Philadelphia. And there's definitely a vibe to Philadelphia fish that like <laughs> everywhere you go up and down the sea like the, the eastern seaboard, there's like a different vibe. Mm-hmm. You go to New York City, it's like, holy shit, we're seeing fish in New York City. This is the biggest place in America to see this band. Philadelphia feels like it's it's like the furthest reach south of their home territory in a sense and like they treat it in a in a weird way like a hometown show um at least that's like the vibe i've always gotten listening to it is that they know they have a hard hardcore fan base there they know that people from around that region will travel to see there so it feels kind of like the furthest existence of seeing them in the northeast first second time i saw fish in philly trey came out and said you know that he saw jethro tull in that room it was at the spectrum when he was uh, a yes. kid. so like mm-hmm. it is hometown ish for him even That's though yeah, yeah i mean jersey. they're from new jersey yeah he's a flyers fan like he's yeah. like yeah. he he identifies with yeah. philadelphia culture in a way that like they I identify don't. with boston the way that they the way that you don't yes <laughs> 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 so hey, I'm from Philly. I can take it. <laughs> that that is I'm, it. What was, that was a softball if I ever really took stones. <laughs> what was the shirt that you you posted this morning, uh, Jonathan? The oh, Philadelphia yeah. shirt. Oh, in Philadelphia, where the Philadelphia, the where the weak killed are and killed and eaten. So good. <laughs> It's a good it's shirt. A, okay. I don't know why anybody would put it on a shirt, but I like it. I think actually, I think I am friends with the person who made that shirt. I think Shaky made it at Awesome Dude. <laughs> That's go. awesome. I think I know that shirt. So let's let's get to the show. So it's hot in the lot. It's hot in the venue. But we all we we deal. We we make do. We we're not going to be turned away by bad weather, uh, as we know from from the experiences of seeing fish. So set one, we get appropriately a steam opener that i think is kind of a response to the overall weather we get steam runaway gym tila kill devil falls theme from the bottom birds of a feather i didn't know funky bitch and split open and melt and i will just say my son when funky bitch came on goes what's the name of this song and i was trying to scramble to figure out how to identify this song to an almost seven-year-old but um tell me felicia just tell him just get it over with tell me about a cool ass lady (laughs) <laughs> there you go. There it is. What was your like big highlight and big takeaway from set one? Um, obviously, I really thought that the Tila was like a nice treat, and it actually did seem to like cool it down for a second in there. We had like some breezes and winds, and that was really sweet um, and beautiful. Also, I don't know. Everything was really good. I felt like all these different songs had a different highlight to them. I really enjoyed watching Trey play the drums during I Didn't Know. I feel like Fishman on yeah. the Vacuum is funny, but Trey playing the drums is funnier. 
The yeah. faces that he makes when he's drumming <laughs> are amazing. They're so he's so full of joy and he's just like silly and laughing. Um, I kind of loved that. And then, yeah, obviously the split open him out. I mean, that's the highlight. And it, again, short, to the point, scary, rhythmic, and then just boom. I'm looking at the stats of it. So uh, I didn't know it was played at Atlantic City last year, but this is the only the second performance mm. since they came back post-COVID. I don't recall the version from Atlantic City, but last night felt like he was behind the drum kit and he was like, I'm going to get back at you for every time you put a sample <laughs> yeah. in a song totally. that I didn't want to sample. And he was just like going wild. Like that was all he was playing for like, <laughs> like 30 yeah, yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he'd like hit a different one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was so yeah, yeah. pleased with himself. That was like the only one of those few moments that I love being on couch tour because you can like see his face really close up. And I was like, yes, he is loving this is great it was a good way to get back in him I, I i found for me musically uh the melt was absolutely incredible it it was I, I texted the group it was like a my bloody valentine type of jam where it just felt like trey was playing like 800 guitars at once it was just this like drone over the crowd but i love how quickly they can get out there with kill devil falls now and how easily that song just moves into this melodic beautiful space got really psychedelic was a really nice segue into theme from the bottom and that and runaway gym kind of set the table for me of like we may not get the longest jams tonight but there's gonna be a ton of creativity in here yeah, it kind of reminded me of Night 2 at Great Woods where it was just like they're just finding these really interesting spots like right away and just taking these little micro jams out with really full of ideas. I also love the Kill Devil Falls. The tr effects Trey was using were just super cool and like a butter landing in theme. And I felt like the split open amount should have been in like, I think I texted our group text, like it should have been in the space set last night. It was like super spacey <laughs> and weird and dissonant and Mike's got the drill out and you know, it's just like, it's just drippy. It was cool. It was a great way to end set and really just like great playing throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan of that melt. I saw other people on Twitter uh, last night dropping my bloody Valentine and shoegaze references to that performance. And I could hear it when I listened this morning, I really, I think they need an arrow on the set list. I'm not one who to dicker about these kinds of things, but kill devil falls that they're not done. There's no stop when Trey starts playing theme it's direct. Like, oh, there's it's, not it's, an arrow. Stuff, it oh, stops happening. Right. And then Trey starts playing theme. And I, that I think might be my highlight of the set. If they hadn't played split open and melt, um, <laughs> but because I really like where they got in Kill Devil Falls and uh, and the transition just kind of sliding in, the theme was really cool. I'm curious, you guys' thoughts on like, you know, we've seen we've seen one jam this entire tour across 20 minutes, and it went to the 30 minute mark. It seems to me like this is a growing trend in Fish's playing. You could date this all the way back to like the start of 3.0, but I think they're really good at it right now where they could play a song for eight minutes and it feels like it's a 25 minute long jam in this sort of standpoint. Like Felicia, when you were at the show last night, are you feeling yourself being kind of like lost in time to like the runaway gym to the kill devil falls and split up and melt? What was that like in the venue? Definitely. Um, I get that sense from fish very much that time sort of like stretches and then like compresses and like, moves around to like fill the available space. Um, mm -hmm. It is so hard to tell how long things have been happening for me in the song, especially with like dancing and 
you know, yeah. trying to like stay engaged with what's going on. I have no idea when I am like ever. Yeah. If I you're that. not think a, about a, a watch wearer, <laughs> then it's real easy to slip out. Right. Yeah. I, I think about it a lot as well. I've never been attached to time in general, which I think is why I like fish because yeah. it has that timeless quality, you know, where you're like, totally. I'm not, I'm not thinking. Yeah. You're just in I the think moment. About a lot with, like some of these newer songs that have become jam vehicles like Ruby waves and soul planet. When you hear these songs and when they're placed with extended jams that come out of them, you listen to the song back the next day on live fish, the song proper of Ruby waves or soul planet is usually like averages two fifty, three thirty, <laughs> And then you're just like, you're gone and you're in, in a jam. And by the time they get to like a six minute mark, you already have crossed through various segments of improvisation and you know that if is the band feeling it, are they going to keep pushing this or are they going to kind of rein this in and segue into a new song? And that three minutes can end up feeling like nine or 10 minutes in terms of an older fish jam where mm -hmm. there was a lot of like searching, where there was a lot of like, where are we going next? Okay. Let's all get on the same page. They kind of just get on that page and they just run with it. And as we get into set two, I mean, that just, that feels like a big theme early on in this tour to me. Um, any other thoughts that you guys have about set one, any other oddities that, that stick out from, from being in there? We can no, jump into, so. yeah, those are some into, good highlights. You have some, good, are some good highlights. It was, it was a good, it was a good set one. Um, let's nailed jump it. into nailed it, nailed it. We <laughs> did it. Let's jump into a quick set break diversion. Megan, do you want to tell us about our sponsor for our segment on set break? Yeah, it's our favorite people at Sunset Lake CBD. These guys are awesome, and their line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead or for the young fish fan, anyone that likes to be in the moment and forget about time and search for a mellow body high. So smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis, but you're not going to have those paranoid and anxious side effects. They have nine different strains from this year's harvest. There's something for everyone. The Hawaiian Haze is awesome for an outdoor show, and Cherry Abacus is the best for the end of the night. And all their flour is grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. And they're great because they have this farm-to-table approach, so you can get really great pricing because they're shipping their products directly from the farm to your door. They have really fast shipping. Before I was introduced to Sunset Lake, I didn't really know about smokable hemp. And it is really great for someone that likes to smoke weed but doesn't want to get high all the time and just wants to chill out and relax. And it's really, really great for at the end of the show on summer tour. So it's a great way to wind down. And I would highly recommend you check them out at sunsetlakecbd.com. Use the coupon code HFPOD. You're going to get 20% off all the products. That's Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. And with it being set break, Felicia, we have to ask you, do you have a set break routine? Or do you just kind of like go at your whim of how you're feeling based on the show? I am usually, I try to be on the floor if possible. So I am definitely someone who will like dip out and use the bathroom right before set break. Like, cause you know, you can always, like I wouldn't have during that melt last night, like I would have worked it out, but usually <laughs> I'll go like use the bathroom right before set break starts. And then I'll come back and just like hold down the spot. I have extreme like spot anxiety. So being like absent for a long time makes me like feel really nervous. And also when I go out for set break, especially at a hometown show, there's so many people there that I want to talk to that I end up being away for like way too long. So um, I do love socializing like after the show when the spot anxiety has dissipated. 
so yeah, being nervous is my uh, is my separate ritual. This is <laughs> this is such a it's that. so funny because uh, our guests on yesterday we had, we had Scott Marks and the guys from Weekend Work and and Scott was very much in your uh, perspective mm-hmm. along with along with mine and I think we all share this here that when the band is off stage, like anxiety just returns of like, I need to stay right here. I cannot mm-hmm. move because if they come back on and I miss this, like I've, I've messed up. This is on me. If it happens, <laughs> so I just sit down and just like, let everybody else come and go. I'm right there with yeah. you. I used to think I was like a laid back person. And then when I was like 30, I was like, no way I am so neurotic and like high strung. Like, why did I ever think I was chill? I'm not. Yeah, same. I'm not sure either. I used to think I was the most relaxed person, and then I realized that no, no, I'm really the opposite of that. Yeah. (laughs) That's what aging does to us. We get to really know ourselves. Yeah, you're like, I'm just a stoner. I'm not, like, relaxed. Right. (laughs) Right. I met one of my my best friends at at SPAC 2010 at set break, and we didn't become friends for a couple of years because in the moment I met him because my – girlfriend at the time now my wife was friends with his wife and so we went to meet them and the whole time i was standing there being like who the fuck are these people why am i talking to them right now i have no i want to get back to my spot for the set and then of course the set started and i missed it and i had a lot of resentment and i had to tell him about that five years later and he was like that is the perfect way to meet each other at a fish show because we both have the same scent he was he was standing there being like why am i talking to freaked out i don't know who these people are (laughs) so we all have a great time during the show set break we all are just like come back on stage guys let's do this and let's let's jump into set two with that we had a pretty fluid second set with a return of a jam vehicle that we're going to talk about here but we had acdc bag into soul planet into simple into light into party time lonely trip as our soul ballad of the entire set and then ending with a really high quality david bowie Tell us, Felicia, what was your highlight of this overall set and what were your kind of impressions of it? Well, we got to talk about the bag, right? Um, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> is it going to come back in jam? Because it kind of did last night. We're it very did. excited it about did. that. I think everybody was yes. <laughs> yes. kind of freaking out. freaking out on the floor. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah, we were definitely freaking out. It's one of those moments where you like, you know, look at, at your friend who's next year and like, is this happening? Are they going to do yeah. it? So that was really exciting way to start the set. And plus, what a great song. It's just like such, yeah. a, such a great classic Fish Always song. Fun. Yeah. It's um, so great. Yeah, that was definitely a great way to start. And then just the fact that the Simple Jam was like the extension of the scary, evil, spacey jazz melt jam. That was one where I looked at Calico, who was next to me, and she's got this, you know, beautiful woman, and she's making the most like disgusting funk face because it's <laughs> getting like so gross, you know, in there. And I was like, in it. Um, yeah, perfect. I mean, I had, a, I didn't stop moving for that whole second set. I was just like totally soaked and dancing, and everyone around me was just like getting down as hard as they could. It was amazing actually because it was truly really hot like i remember mm-hmm. during the second set thinking like i don't know if how long i can do this <laughs> but i'm yeah. gonna push through you know it was fun well putting the bag into context because you know we were talking yesterday on the podcast about Haley's comet and that like for so long Haley's comet would start and you'd have this sentiment of like 
was that an extra riff? Does this mean like, and, and you'd kind of like your heart would start racing. You'd be like, are they going to jam it? And then Trey would just go into like sample in the jar or something, you know, I'd be like, Oh God, he like Scott Marks compared it to uh Lucy with the football that you were just like, I believe this time. I totally <laughs> yeah. believe. Um, and ACDC bag has started to be that way. They opened up um, the second set of velvet night with ACDC bag. And at that point we kind of knew there are jams coming in unexpected places. Is this going to be the first time that happens? Did not. It opened up the second set of Deer Creek night one last year. Again, did not jam. So when it opened up here, the only thing that gave me hope was you could hear when they walked on stage, Trey play Soul Planet. Like he played the first couple riff, a a couple chords of Soul Planet and then stopped and went to bag. And a friend of mine texted me and was like, does that Mm. mean like, did he, cause Soul Planet just jams every time. It's got like the highest batting average of any fish song. And when ACDC bag went out and just completely changed and just peeked into this jamming space, my phone kind of exploded. And I'm sure I was not alone in that of just like every fish fan from every uh, corner of life was like, oh my God, this is happening again. And first time since Coventry, we got an extended ACDC bag. It's just an amazing thing. That was so great too. I mean, it's funny listening back today to it. I was thinking about you know, what ACDC bag sounded like in like the early nineties. And it's just like, it's like a runaway train. The song is just like so much energy and just, it's almost like playing Trey, you know, it's just like, it's just so intense. And now I was listening last night and that's the thing about couch tour. You're like really listening in the way that like when you're at a show, you're dancing and you've got your eyes closed and you're just, when you're on couch tour, you're like sitting there. And I was just thinking like, he played it really, really well. And it doesn't have that same kind of like ruthlessness that it had back then, but it was such a strong version. And to hear them kind of go off and what a great jam that came out of it. I mean, I thought it was going to keep going. I think it could have, but Trey loves to play Soul Planet and that's okay. (laughs) Well, and I do wonder, you know, we talked about it like you could the chalk dust torture did this in late 2012 where it had a couple mm. of versions that summer where it like hinted at going out and it, and it was you know 10 11 minutes crossed into a different key went like rhythmically in a different place and was not coming back to chalk dust would segue into another song and then obviously that per that version um from august 31st 2012 the fuck your face show it goes almost 20 minutes it's this monumental version and everything since then has been uh, you know pretty uh, pretty significant from a jamming standpoint. It would be really cool to hear ACDC bag move into this space where they could open up second sets with it. And you know, you're in a reliable 16 to 20 minute jam space. I don't know. I'm, I'm all for this. Um, you mentioned get away with a 10 minute version, just like this though. And nobody seems to be upset about it. So that's fine too. Um, I I think it's a perfect example of how they can just get there whenever they want and uh well, that, and and the, yeah i'm sure they will that's so a really good point two I wanna... acdc bags i promise you will be short and everybody will be like god damn it and then they'll come back <laughs> and do a 30 minute one just to fuck with us that's right <laughs> it's a really good point and it was highlighted by listener uh russ tab who said um they've been taking less time in the type one stage early mm-hmm. in jams getting right to it i feel like this is we were talking about this in set one I'm curious your guys' thoughts if you heard it at all last night where it doesn't feel like they finish a song and they don't feel the need to play three or four minutes of riffing around the song's theme. They kind of just find a way out and they just go. And that leads to like a 10-minute ACDC bag that could have been 14, could have been 18 minutes. And like the time again becomes irrelevant. 
Well, it's just like you were saying at the beginning, Felicia, that, yeah, they're just, they're able to get there right away now. It's exciting. And they did that throughout this set. Um, you talked mm-hmm. about the simple. That got to this, like, just dark, just kind of horrifying, but really funky, really danceable space. Um, I absolutely loved that. What were you guys' thoughts on the simple? Yeah, I could hear a lot of, like, melody over some of the more dissident weird noises, which I thought was pretty cool. I haven't heard that as much. Like I was thinking about what they were doing last fall and how it was getting super weird and and dissonant and ambient. And it was cool to hear them kind of searching for melody over that. And that was exciting to me. I thought that would be like a really cool direction for them to go in. But I thought it was awesome. That was definitely my highlight of the set, the bag and the simple. Yeah, there was a great um, like kind of like rhythmic bass, like driving quality too to the last part of the simple, which it felt really heavy, but also um, like Megan said, that searching for melody, like mm. above and throughout that very kind of um, intense, dark uh, beat and rhythm was like really powerful. You could really feel it too. Like I was like, the air was like vibrating. Um, it was it was really intense. I got the feeling too sometimes that they make these like architectural jams, I call them, where they like are mm-hmm. building something. And I feel like it's this big, like invisible, like sonic temple and it keeps getting like bigger and like more psychedelic. And that was how I felt last night. And I was like extremely sober too. So that's not. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, just to be clear. <laughs> well, I think that that point. Well, it doesn't sound like a sober mind thought, but I, I totally, I follow it. And I, I... <laughs> Well, that, that awesome point is like that is such an interesting thing of like the difference between hearing a jam like the simple, which you can fully appreciate from couch tour, and you're like, oh my god, like they're playing incredible music. But when you're in the venue, no mm. matter what you've put in or have not put in your body for that show, you know that like it's taken to another level because you're in this space where they're kind of controlling everything sonically, any everything uh, like from a like a sensual like experience in terms of like how you're like taking this all in they're building that and it feels like it's everything in the moment no matter what you've ingested or not you know what i mean um, yeah. whereas like for me i'm walking in and outside of my house to go change you know the water uh where where it's you know like where the sprinkler is and stuff and like i'm coming back in i'm like oh my god this is so psychotic and like incredible music you're like in fully trapped in that space when they're playing this type of music yeah and i love couch tour and i love that we have the webcast i think that they are the coolest gift and being able to like listen to a show Mm -hmm. right after it's played like from a soundboard like the technology that we've been like given is incredible but um my friend greg said this the other day because people were criticizing one of the shows deer creek or something and he was like the show is played for the people who are there and it is it matters like what the people who are there really like what their experience is, is like the whole point of the show. Like you can totally. To and totally have your musical opinion in your ear and you can hear it clearly. Like, of course you can have an opinion, but like the show is for the people who are at the show. And that that's is, why you're here. Yeah. That, right. And that's, that's why <laughs> we need you. People like fish fans can be like, kind of like bickery and like picky, like on social yeah. media and like really complain mm. about like all kinds of things. And it's like, I don't notice if there's flubs, like it doesn't, I'm just not paying attention for it. I'm not a musician and I don't care. I care about the energy and the vibe and the way that everybody is feeling together and what's happening on the stage. Not like, oh, this composed section, they like missed all these notes. Like who cares? It doesn't matter. Well, when you're there, it's a, such a good point. Like 
and I think it's one of the, I don't want to say drawbacks of couch tour, because again, I'm so thankful that I can listen to every single show and watch every single show in the moment that I can't be at. But there's definitely something when they play a multi-night run where when they come out on stage and you went to the night before and you're back for this night, there's like a shared we're in this together where like you can see, you know, you're seeing the band as they've experienced life in the city that you're in and the heat that you're dealing with and any sort of vibes that were carried over from the night before to tonight, like that feels more connected inside of the venue than I think it does for those of us who are watching the same show back at home, not, not, you know, exhausted from dancing in the heat the night before. Like I feel perfectly rested. You feel the feelings of like what it's like to have gone to a fish show the, the last night. And I don't know, there's something that there's something that you just can't, even fully describe and discern in terms of like being at home watching this versus being in the room. I, I think that's, that's interesting. I don't really like couch tour to be honest. Like I do it because I want to see the show and I want to be able to talk about it and I want to hear the music as it's being played. I like being like a part of that experience, but I'm a totally, I don't even compare the two experiences. You know, it's like, I'm just a totally different listener. I'm just distracted. I'm not in the moment. I'm, you know, I'm thinking about other things. It's just, it's a different experience for me. You're moving the sprinkler around. That's what. Yeah, of yeah, exactly. Like you Feeding know, your watering curds. lawns. Who waters yeah. lawns? Watering. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> watering flowers. Don't get me started um, on that. Um, but I will. I, I want to just chime in on this point because yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I. When I do couch tour live, half the time I'm not even looking at the screen. Uh, when I'm like today, I didn't, I didn't watch the show last night. So today I'm re-listening. I actually have been doing this more and more as sort of a focused listening exercise, which is to, I put my guitar in my lap and try to play along, but I'm not really, I can't play. I can't keep up with these guys. I'm not in that, I'm not that kind of musician, but it's more about listening to the changes and the transitions in the jams. And, uh, I did that. I was doing that with simple and just rode that wave right on into light. And like, I don't know, I, if you ask me to sit down and play a fish song, I can't do that. It's, I don't know them. I've never tried really, except for maybe two. And I don't really, you know, maybe three. Uh, nothing from this <laughs> maybe, show. Uh, maybe four. I put on any maybe, uh, Well, I mean, I did record a version of Dirt <laughs> once that we won't talk about. But uh, so, uh, but, you know, I rolled into light and I was playing light. So I was very in the zone because I actually landed in the right chords in the right place. And um, that transition to me is that's my highlight of the second set. The jam at a mm. jam and simple is really great. The, the flow, the way it went into light. That's, that's where I, I, I live in this show. That was an immaculate point. And yes, not even remotely the same experience as being in the building because I cannot simulate the sound of the PA through the appropriate humidity. Although with this AC off in here, it's getting close. Um, <laughs> but that's part of the show too. Like every bit, like it's not just four guys playing instruments, but it's the whole construct of a PA in a particular room. Like you, Felicia, you talked about how the man sounds really good and it sounds also sounds different from Bethel where they're playing next. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. that's part of it. And you can't, you don't get that at home. So, uh, no. so 
We'll leave it One to more the, the people who were there. Quick thought on that, just because I'm thinking about it. I, I I went to a couple of the fall tour shows last year, and they were all incredible, and they all sound incredible on on record. You know, when I listen <laughs> back to them, but they're all amazing in the moment. But I did not go to Vegas. My wife went solo to Vegas, and I was couch touring the the first night, and they open up with a. 2001 jam into 1999. Oh my God. I love that stretch so much. Oh my God. It's so good. I love to run to that. Sorry. I just remember, I just remember sitting on my couch, eating popcorn, drinking water, hanging out, watching the show. My kids are asleep down the hall and they go into 1999 and being like Mm. viscerally terrified for everyone in the venue because it felt too big. Like it felt like oh my God, a song choice, screaming. too much jamming. Like we're literally not even 20 minutes into the concert. There's another two and a half hours to go plus a set break. Like I was just, I was sitting there like actually terrified for people in the venue. And I was like, I'm kind of glad I'm not there because this feels too much right now. I, oh my I, was, God. I was like on my, my knees. like so sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm, was, I was on my knees like devastated. I wasn't there. That was like, that was my fucking jam. So I'm glad you were there, Jonathan. Uh, um, yeah, you made ahead. it out alive. Yeah, can confirm the building was like jumping up and down with everyone in there. It was insane. I love that. Yeah, everyone was freaking out. And during If Six Was Nine uh, on that night, oh my uh, God. Sam gave me his rail spot like for the song, and I don't think he knew it was going to be like really long time. But um, <laughs> I was up there, and the woman who was next to me and I, we are literally just like – screaming and laughing because there was nothing left to do. I was like, I can't dance any harder. I can't smile any bigger. Like everyone was losing it because of that show was so crazy. That was my highlight of that whole run. It was so fun. That That show was pretty insane. It was was a blast. I still kind of can't believe that that run happened. That was just, I can't believe they played that song. Yeah, I know. No, that whole thing was crazy. I thought it was um, War Pigs. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah, And I was like, weird. But then it was not, and we were like, better? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to ask you guys just one last question about the second set here. They play a version of David Bowie that um, I thought was quite good. And Jonathan, you are, are – um, if, if there's one role you have in this entire universe of fish, it is to review <laughs> and, and, and give us an exclamation point or a critique of David Bowie's. What were your thoughts on this David Bowie? Pretty good. Pretty good for a, uh, you know, keeping your feet on the ground, David Bowie. It was a lot of fun. It was not, it was not broken or bad in any way. Uh, I want that, but like pack that simple jam in the middle of it or something, you know, like I want them Mm -hmm. to like do that, but go out also, please. It'll happen. I like it. What about you, Felicia? What'd you think about it in the room? I thought it was pretty tight Bowie. I mean, it sounded really good to me and it was definitely kind of like well-placed for that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say people definitely still do not know the difference between Be- Maze and Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Maze is like, it was just played. They're not going to repeat it at this yeah. point in the tour. Yeah. No, I get it. It's funny. Yeah. I, we were, we were, I was texting with Scott Marks during the show because we talked yesterday on the episode about like, well, when are they going to jam out ACC bag? And um, he, you know, they start jamming it out. And he was like, I guarantee you, Trey is listening to this show and taking cues. So, like, if that happens, if that happens, I don't think it does. You heard me, Trey. But yes. we would love to for you to do whatever 
you did to the AC ba- ACDC bag to the to a David Bowie. We would we would kill about that. I, honestly, uh, I will say I have given them some crap for some of the David Bowies in the past couple years. None of that crap is it, it stands for this one. This one was it was a good solid solid David Bowie. Bowie. Perfectly played, perfectly played, like really well played. Very good stuff. Very, yeah, and we need to put this like cream. nonsense about Trey having arthritis and all this other bullshit to rest. I mean, the way his That's fingers me. were moving during yeah, Bowie and Bag, I mean, he was nailing everything super fast. Like, just stop with that stuff. It's ridiculous. We will we will talk more about that on our fish health and wellness podcast where we analyze uh everything that happens on stage from a uh, uh medical standpoint. No. Um any <laughs> last thoughts? that you have Felicia walking away from the man as you head towards Bethel and you head towards Woodstock. Oh, I'm super excited. Um, just, you know, thanks to everybody who came and watched on the webcast and, and checked it out with us. It was really, really special to have fish at home. It's a good thing. It's a really good thing. We got to have you back on here. Um, uh, here, uh, before the end of summer tour. So let's chat offline about some shows you're hitting up and, uh, safe travels to Bethel. And, uh, we'll talk with you a little bit further down the road. Thanks so much guys. It was so nice to talk to you. It's it awesome to have you on. Thank you, Felicia. Bye. Talk to you soon. All right. So we are through five shows of summer tour it, on the spring tour we were approaching the final weekend of the overall tour, mm. but we keep rolling here. The band is going to keep rolling. We will be back on Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern to review night one of Bethel. We have two fantastic guests for that. We have Jen Moore as well as David Early. Um, We will be doing a Bethel night two recap. And then the night of the Hartford show, we're going to do our first um, pre-show hang of the overall summer. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's so fun. 30 minutes before showtime or before – should say that again. 30 minutes before the webcast starts. So that no one, you heard us talk during set break. We all have anxiety for when is fish going to come on stage. We don't want any of you viewers out there to have that anxiety. So we will go live 30 minutes before the webcast starts. We'll hang out. We'll talk. We'll do a bunch of stuff. And then uh, we will cover both Bethel shows as well as the Hartford show at 1 p.m. Eastern. So thank you everyone out there for hanging with us. Thank you all for listening. Thank you so much for your thoughts. We will see you all here soon. Bye, everyone. Osiris. 
Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.